Well, the church is, the church is explosive with power. It's explosive with power and it's expansive in energy. I mean, think about the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us and this new international community has all the power available to us, God's power, to change the world, to impact the world, to move throughout the world. And when I say expansive with energy, Think of what has happened over the last 2,000 years. Think of all the hospitals that were initiated and moved throughout the world because of the church of Jesus Christ. Think of the universities that were growing up all over Europe and then spread through the world. A lot of it because of the church of Jesus Christ. When kids were being abandoned, it was the church. By and large, it stepped in with expansive energy and power to change the lives of kids. And you can just go down through the list and start thinking about all the things the church has done. When you think of the area of justice, it was the church that has moved in and talked about these critical, critical issues. Well, this morning I want to move into a new series about a new international community that Jesus said he was going to build at the end of his ministry. He started talking about it more and more, so we want to dig into what he said about it. And so as we think about it, the church has three purposes, three main purposes. The first one is an upward focus, right? That we are thinking about God. God is the one who organizes our lives. He orders our lives. He gives us direction. He gives us a plan. He lays out things as we worship Him. Well, there's also an inward focus, right? The church is people, and it's people caring for each other, loving for each other, admonishing one another, helping each other press on until Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom on this earth. And then there's an outward focus, right? That this idea that we are not to keep the message of Jesus Christ on ourselves right, or to ourselves. We are to tell others about what Jesus is doing, how he's bringing this new international community together, and our part in it. So we want to bring this message to the world. And so this morning, as we move into this new series, we're going to be doing some texting. You'll notice in the bottom of the screen, there's a number And I want to encourage you to text. This is whether you're online or whether you're here, whether you're in another space, we want to encourage you to participate. So it's a good time to pull out your phone. Here's the question we want to answer this morning. What excites you about the church? Now these are short answers, right? Maybe it's the life group ministry. Maybe it's coming on Sunday morning and and the worship and the singing. Or maybe it's the worship of praying together, or maybe it's the worship of just seeing each other and recognizing that this is a unique body. Maybe it's other parts of the ministry where you're serving. So it can be short answers, that's all I'm looking for, but what is it that excites you about this new international community? Well, as we dive in this morning, we need to open our Bibles up to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Now, some of you will say, weren't we just in this passage a month ago? And that's exactly right. You've got a good memory. A month ago, we were looking at Matthew 16. But my purpose there was drilling down on the idea of Jesus' desire. 
that he would build. He would take something that never existed before, bring it into existence as an international community. Well, this morning, we're going to look at what is this thing called the church. So if you're with me, Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about y'all, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Father, would you give us fresh eyes to look at this text, this passage, your word this morning. And God, we live in a world where the church has been peppered with all kinds of confusing things. Would you reveal your purposes, your plan? God, speak to us this morning through your word. Let your word come alive in our hearts. Let us be energized with your plan and your purposes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we look at this passage this morning, I want to make just two points, and here's, here's the first one I'd like to make, and that is that Jesus reveals the mystery of the new community. Jesus is revealing this. Now, he's at the end of his ministry. He has talked a little bit about this thing, but he hasn't used the word church. Now, as we look at this this morning, we're seeing that he's revealing the mystery of God's plan to take something that had never been done before. Yes, there had been God's people. They had been gathered. They were the nation of Israel. But now he wants to do something unprecedented. He is going to move into every nation of the world. Let me say it a little differently. He's going to move into every ethnic group of the world. He is drawing out worshipers from everywhere on the face of this earth. And so as we look at this, I want to really drill down on verse 18 because that's where Jesus starts talking about some of these things. Not sure why my iPad just froze up, but let me see if I can get back in here. fails I am totally frozen here so verse 18 so much for technology you have it on your screen there 
let me uh, bring in you, uh, bring this to you. Remember, he says there, he says, I will build my church. Last time we focused on this future focus of it, that he would build. This morning, I want to focus just on the word church, just on that simple word church. Now, it's not the first time Jewish people had heard this, right? If you read, and many of them did, in fact, most of them did, read the Greek text of the Old Testament, it's called the Septuagint, they read that, and there it talked about an assembly, an assembly of God's people. And of course, it's talking about Israel. But when Jesus is using it, as they're listening to this, they're probably thinking more about Israel than about a new international community. So maybe later this afternoon, if you want to look this up, you could look up like Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10. It's all through the Old Testament, but this would be one place. The NIV translates it, the, uh, I think it just translates it, uh, uh, gather the people or assemble the people, but it literally it means the day of gathering, or literally that's what it says in Hebrew and actually in the Greek text, the Septuagint as well, is that there is this day of gathering. Bring your people together. Never in ancient literature is that word church ever used for a physical object or a physical image or a building. The word church is never used that way. It's always used in terms of people and specifically gathering people. Now what becomes significant, and if my iPad was functioning right now, I would circle the word my. Because notice what Jesus says, I will build my church. That's why when Peter starts talking about you're the Messiah, he's talking about you're the Christ, you're the anointed one, you're the promised one that we were looking for, and you are building your assembly or your gathering of people or your church and that's what they had been looking for but what they couldn't comprehend was that it was going to be international that it would spread so if we read acts chapter one we won't go there but the disciples even after jesus was raised from the dead they were asking him are you going to restore the kingdom now remember last month i reminded you that the kingdom is not the church, and the church is not the kingdom. When we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about the realm or the power or the reign of God. When we talk about the church, we're talking about the people of God. So the disciples in Acts 1, after Jesus is raised, they're asking, are you going to restore the kingdom now? Because that's what the Messiah was supposed to be doing. The Messiah would be establishing his kingdom. The Christ, the King, the Promised One. And so what Jesus is doing here is unfolding a mystery that they never anticipated. So in Acts chapter 1, Jesus doesn't dismiss that God is going to establish his kingdom. He just redirects. He just redirects the disciples into, you shall be my witnesses. And then he tells them that you're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, right? The, they would go and be his witnesses. So Jesus is saying here that you will build my church. It will be my people. And there's the big shift, my. It's no longer this nation of Israel as a focal point. It is now the new international community and then he says and the gates of hades now when he says that remember 
Peter already said, you're the son of the living God. So it makes sense he's coming back. Hades was the primary word that Jews used for the place of the dead. And there was no power over death. And what Jesus is saying, the power that controls life and death, behind that force will be the evil one. But what he's saying here is that death itself, this will be a living community. Now, I keep using these words, explosive with power. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Word of God. The Word is unlike any other holy book. And that would be another holy uh, message to talk about the nature of the Bible and how we can trust it and how it's unlike any other religious literature. Then, as God gathers His people, they are endowed with His Spirit so that they have wisdom from on high. They have the mind of Christ. They have even the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can over ride sin and then we have the spirit moving us in God's purposes so we have all these things working together but when I say then also expansive in energy it's that God is wanting us to be this new international community that actually starts to change the entire world so as we look at this this morning you start thinking about this idea of a church and how do you describe it? If I just use the word church, all of us get different mental images. All of us start to get pictures. Maybe we picture a cathedral. Maybe we picture a church, uh, a building. Maybe we picture a warehouse. Maybe we picture a classroom. All of us start to get different pictures. And if I say people, what do you do? You, you start to picture a group of people. The Bible wanted to give us the nature of the church. And so what the New Testament does a lot is it gives us pictures, lots of pictures. Now, why does the Bible do this? It's because if you focus on one picture, you can miss other dimensions of the church. So he gives us lots of pictures. This morning, I want to look at four very, very quickly. The first one I want to look at is the idea that the new community as a family, the new community as a family. Here, the apostle uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says that we should see this new community as a family. That's what's going on in 1 Timothy, right? Is that there's this picture of Paul writing to the church, or to Timothy, I'm sorry, verses 1 and 2, and he says, do not rebuke an older man harshly. Notice he starts drawing in the picture of a family when he says, but exhort him as if he were your father. So there's this new community that gives us a picture. This is going to be like a well-ordered, caring, respectful family. Isn't that what a family is supposed to be doing? And he says to Timothy, I want you to treat older men like your father. Treat younger men as your brothers. Give them the respect, the dignity that you would your own blood family. That's what should be happening in the church. He goes on and says, treat the older women as mothers. Now, how do we treat these older women as mothers? Well, Proverbs gives us lots of pictures. Proverbs 1, I believe it's verse 7, it says this, that we should 
follow the teachings or cherish the teachings of our mothers, right? This is how you treat an older woman as a mother, right? You're going to listen. You're going to respect her words of wisdom, her experience in life. And then it says, and treat younger women as sisters. It says, with absolute purity. I just want to pause. I think we live in a very sad, sad day when it comes to how many in the church have treated women. And may I say especially younger women. The ones that have been abused, the ones that have been used, the ones who have been taken advantage of, Never what God intended. He says very clearly here, treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Don't take advantage. Don't try to override them. Now as I say this, the spread of pornography that is destroying the human soul, it's wrecking families, destroying marriages, ruining the souls of men and women. More and more women are moving into pornography. We're lusting after something that God never intended for us to lust after, right? This whole area of sex and the priority that we put on it. And so Paul is telling Timothy, let there be a a purity. Let there be a, a right ordering. Let there be a cleaning of the house. Now, as I say this, Galatians 6 says this, God is not mocked. The church is filled with all kinds of failure. Just read an article yesterday morning. Another Bible teacher at a premier evangelical school left the faith. You read about this. You read about the abuse of power. You read about the abuse of money, right? It's it's all over the news. But just remember, God is not mocked. That's what it says in Galatians 6. Then he says this. He says, if you sow to the things of the flesh, you will reap destruction. It will destroy you. If you reap to the Spirit, you're going to experience life. So there's a time for the church to to do some cleaning, some new thinking, some fresh stuff on this area of the new community as a family relationship as Peter takes us there. The exploitation of women because men have not stood up to defend with chivalry ladies. And we need to do that. We need to speak clearly We must stand up and protect. That's what this idea of family is. That's what families do. That's what men do. Well, it's not the only picture, family. He says, well, let me say this too. As you read your New Testament, you'll see over and over 
the phrase brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters love one another. Brothers and sisters respect one another. Right, over and over. It's the idea of family again. Let me give you the second picture. The new community is the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5.32, right? As, as Christ is the bridegroom, we are the bride. And Paul, in Ephesians chapter 5, he's talking about marriage, and he says, husbands, love your wives, wives, submit to your husbands, right? There's this picture, but as he's developing this whole picture of how God wants the family ordered, he then turns it and says, I'm talking about this profound mystery of Christ and the church, that we are the bride of Christ. Amazing to think about this. But what he's trying to tell us, right, this is a very different picture than just family. When someone's called the bride, you start thinking of your, maybe your own honeymoon, right? The affections, the energy, the jealous energy that's protective of a new bride. We, we should be this way. And that's what Christ is for the church. So it gives us a picture of God's love for his people goes further when he's talking about this is that there's an element of, of God initiating towards us. That's why it picks up the word head back in Ephesians earlier in uh, verse 22, 522. And then it moves us through that the, the wife responds and yet the church is to respond like this. So God initiates, but the church responds in faith. It's the picture of this bride of Christ that becomes so, so significant. A whole nother picture. Let me move to a third one, the new community as the body of Christ, right? So this takes us in another direction. We begin to see, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is that the church is like a body, and it has all these individual parts. And we can't do without any of the parts, right? Each one of you is a part of it. And so as we think about the church, we are to be gathering together as God's people, all of God's church. We should be gathering and encouraging one another. Loved what Brad said earlier in the service, and I want to continue this line of thinking, is that now we need to think about what God is doing in this new day, this new time of, of his work in the world as God develops us and changes us. And so the body of Christ, God has given us in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the spiritual gifts. And when we don't use our gifts, the body is diminished. I would like to just say too, we live in a world where there's a, a, a complete breakdown. Uh, and it, it just filters also into the church. People will raise their hand and say, I want to serve, I want to serve. And then on Sunday morning, they get a text saying, oh, I can't show up today. I can't make it. And that leaves everybody hanging. And, and what God is, is telling us is that we're a body. We can't do without the arm. We can't do without the leg. 
And now we have a growing number of people meeting online, and I praise God for the technology that allowed us to meet online, but there comes a time where we got to ask ourselves if we can do this safely, can we come back together? Because when we come together, we get encouraged by each other. We pray for each other. We, we hear each other. We get energized by the collective energy of the people gathered together. That's what the body is. It all holds together. In 1 Peter, we begin to see a, a different picture of this as the temple of God. Let me give you uh, the temple uh, picture here, the temple of God. 1 Peter, we're told that, that we are these living stones that begin to get taken here, built into a spiritual house. So here's another picture. We're not only the bride of Christ, we're not only the body of Christ, but we're the temple of God. And it says, a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. Jesus talked a little bit about this. He said, I will, this temple will be destroyed, talking about his body, but he said, three days later, a new one would be built, not made with human hands. It, there's something supernatural with the body or the temple of God. Paul did this in 1 Corinthians 3. He talked about the, the temple. He says this, you are God's building in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. He said the foundation is Jesus Christ, verse 11. He says you yourselves are the temple of God, verse 16. And God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. What a picture when we think about it as we come together this morning. Now as we talk about this, the uh, main purpose or the second main point I'd like to talk about because we're going to look at this is that the purpose of the church is an upward focus. Next week we'll look at an inward focus and let me just prep you for that. One of our elders is bringing the message next week on uh, the inward focus and then the last week uh, CJ, our student ministry director, will bring the outward focus. But in John chapter 4, verse 23, John said this, A time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So this morning as we look at the upward focus, we often think of worship just as singing, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says all of life is worship. All of life is worship. So when we come together, we are worshiping God. When we hold back and we don't participate in the gathering, that's what ecclesia or church means, then we are diminishing this work that God intended. And so in John, he talks about worshiping, and this would be a new picture of this upward focus that God orders our life. I don't get to choose what the church looks like. I don't get to choose where the Spirit's going to move the church. I don't get to choose how the Spirit's going to engage all these different things. It's the Spirit that is working in the midst of all of this. So this morning as we, we look at this, it's time for us to regather as a church, right? This is a time, and I, again, I just want to say safely, because as we gather, we want to care for each other. We want to minister to each other, but we do need each other. I want to take some time, maybe as you think about the church, the text, uh, texting, what, what excites you about the church? I just gave you four pictures. There's lots of other pictures. Let me bring again uh, just one, one or two words of something that, te uh, that you could text and uh, we'll see if this device works. Uh, 
Thank you for, for jumping in. Let me just grab them a little bit so you can begin to hear how people are responding this morning. The first one that, 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 that came in was this, is that uh, community. I love that. Here's one. Acceptance and love towards the broken and the hurting. That is so true. Even though the church has been peppered and checkered with all kinds of, of failures, there has been also the church that has come alongside a lot of people. Here's another one that came in. People who have your back. Boy, do we need that. Too many people try to go life alone. We're becoming more insulated and more isolated, and we need people in our lives, speaking into our lives. You know what? Sometimes we don't like that, do we? We like being independent. We like choosing what we want to do, but God never intended that. First, First Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, admonish the unruly. All of that should be happening. Here's another one. How we love on the least and the lost, right? People that, that have no place in society, no place in culture. We should be coming alongside these people. That's why I talk so much about women and protecting women. We need to do that. Let me just take this last one. The chance to find out about ministries and serving opportunities, right? God is doing stuff. Fox Valley Church is doing stuff not only here in our community with small groups, not only doing stuff. We're going to be opening our cafe coming up here pretty soon. We're going to need help for that. Journeyland is being a little bit hindered. We need more people serving for that. But we're serving our community. Fox Valley Church was instrumental in helping to launch the largest justice ministry ever brought to the United States. And we get to be a part of that. It was out of one of our elders years ago that we launched Administer Justice. We've been a part of Refuge for Women. We're concerned about women being trafficked and exploited. Fox Valley Church comes in and, and helps host a home. Now, I know it takes lots of people, lots of churches, but Fox Valley Church has been very, very instrumental in this. When it comes to protecting the unborn, Fox Valley Church has been on the front line all the years that I've been here and prior to my coming as well. Fox Valley Church has been a significant part of this. Fox Valley Church is on the front lines of orphan care, caring for kids that are being left behind, kids that are being abandoned, kids that need our help. So these are ways that we're serving in the community, but we all need to be a part of this 